This episode was recorded and produced on the land of the Gamaragal people, the Aboriginal people of Manly and Northern Sydney. I acknowledge and pay respect to the traditional owners of the land and pay my respect to any elders, past, present or emerging. Welcome back to episode 19 of the High People Podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out, as always. Just letting you know, it, it means the world to me when you know people come up and say, hey, I really enjoyed that episode, or, or you send an Instagram message or something. So the feedback is always really appreciated. So thank you for those who, who love these episodes and, and listen um, every week. So it's a, I'm really thankful um, for that. So thank you so much for them. As usual, like and subscribe, interact on Instagram, check us out on Facebook, um, subscribe, rate where you listen to the podcast, all that stuff really, really helps um, and it would be great. This week's episode is a a ripper. It's a a really close friend of mine. Um, As I talk about in the intro, we've lived together, we've known each other since year 2000 now, um, in year five and, and, and somewhat grown up. Um, together and and through some life's real amazing moments and through life's really tough moments and we explore um, a lot of them but we find out um, what you know Drew is going through now and and where he is and and how he's so happy with his beautiful family and fantastic and beautiful wife Brooke as well which is really exciting to explore so I won't give any more away though Um, we'll get straight into this episode so this is the story of Drew Marston Well, my next guest, uh, episode 19 of the High People podcast, is a good friend of mine. We have known each other since the schoolyard of year five. We have played soccer together. We have lived together for a little bit. We have drunk beer together. We've drunk coffee together. We've skied together. Um, We've done a lot of things, uh, I suppose, together. And I, I think this is a bit of a funny one. It's like when I was talking with Daimo and Tomo, like, I, I talked to you guys quite frequently I, we were talking before i literally sent you a photo of my coffee this morning and yeah. said this coffee is really really nice so it, it, it's interesting you've got this this formal setting but it's going to be a lot of fun so drew marset welcome to the high people podcast mate it's great to have you on board thank you clayton no i, uh, I was going to say hello stranger but yeah we just <laughs> it's just yeah you literally messaged me this morning um and yeah we've got this little coffee chat going don't we that just we trade beverages uh, every yep. now and then so yeah no I'm, I'm so excited to be here and um, yeah excited to see what happens yeah massive shout out to uh, Joel Minnick who was on the High People podcast Paradox Coffee we keep plugging that stuff because it's it's the good stuff so love it yeah, we, I need to get a delivery I need to get Mate. it here ASAP I've got a I've got yeah. a local that I've just been exploring but you know I'm keen to get some some Minnick beans into my grinder Mate, he's he's um he's your go-to man. So this one had a bit of coconut uh, flavor to it. I'm not massive on coconut, but this coffee was unreal. And yeah, John, my housemate, that. makes them really well. So I'm I'm really stoked with that as well. I'm blessed with that. That's for sure. Very very <laughs> good post surf this morning. But mate, it is all awesome to have you on. Um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting for me as well, and obviously to you to go through some of your life because you know we have been friends literally since year 2000 um, wow. when we when we started going to school together, and we'll obviously get to there. 
um, as we go along and, you know, a couple of big soccer premierships we won, you know, under 13s, Division 3 comes to oh, mind, man. obviously, immediately. Um, but <laughs> <Golden> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. But every fun starts, obviously, um, with a story, mate. Where, where was Drew Marset born and, and what were your early years like? Awesome. Well, man, um, like you, I was I was born in the in the last quarter of 1989. Um, <laughs> uh, I was I was born out at Hornsby, but um, we we lived in a, a northwest suburb of Sydney called Galston. We lived on some acreage. Um, yeah, I grew up there until I was I think maybe eight years old, and then moved into a, a the Glenhaven Joint, the house that mm. we house. hosted so many parties um all that we, we used to call it the the farnham tour because it was always one last party just one last Absolutely. one just one last <laughs> one and they just got worse and worse i mean <laughs> as we got older <laughs> and older you know the glory years were like the water bomb fights and super soakers and stuff and then it got to a point where we were like just hanging out and doing nothing but i mean that's what adults yeah. do right absolutely absolutely <laughs> and so did you go to did you go to school at Pacific Hill straight away, or where, where did you start, I suppose, kindy? So kindy, um, we went to Galston Public School, um, the local. And uh, from there, I went across to, my mum was a teacher, and she taught at Middle Drill, and I dropped off there for a year or two. That was a tiny, tiny country school, man, 70 kids all up. Um, it was the type of school where, you know, kindy one and two were all in the one class. Um, so that was an experience in, in itself. And later on in life, which, which we'll get to, I actually did work experience there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, middle drill was, was a big part of my life now. And, um, sorry then. And yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I still remember. Um, even though it was such a small part of my primary years. Um, and then Pacific Hills from 1999. So that was, that was year four. Um, so I beat, I beat you by a year. Caught me by a year. I was still in the snowy mountains in, in 99. So there you go. Do you, do you remember, obviously, the Galston house, you know, I didn't, I didn't know you at that point, but I know, you know, of the stories and the like. What was it like growing up um, in that house? And obviously, you've got your two elder brothers as well, Mac and Eric, who um, yep. we know as well. What were the memories of that, that Galston house? Were you, were you on a farm? Were you on paddock? Were you on acreage? Was, what was the, the memories there? It was acreage, so bushland. Um, which backed onto crown land. So though we only had five, only five acres, um, in acreage terms, that's, that's small fry. That's puddle darts apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but because uh, we backed onto crown land, it felt like we had, you know, a whole bushland to ourselves, certainly more than a, mm. than a five-year-old could, could ever walk or explore, which um, is my living memory, sort of five to seven. And just so fond. I mean, I... I even my brothers, we, we still talk about Galston very, very fondly. Um, and mm. we've, we've all three of us really desired to get back to a stage where we can live on acreage. And, um, you know, it hasn't come to fruition for, for any of us, but just the freedom that we sort of recollect in our memories um, is, mm. qu is quite large. I mean, we would just, after school, go out in the bush and chase each other with sticks and light fires and <laughs> smash things and <laughs> just do all that stuff that um you hear about in in you know the the um batman begins movies you know that <laughs> all the fun stuff at this at the start and yeah we we just loved it 
we and, and, and I still love it. It's it's something that I, I still try and get the girls. Um, spoiler alert, I've got three daughters. Um, I still try and take three them. Three beautiful daughters. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> still try to take them bushwalking. And um, they're certainly not taking a shine to it the way I, I hoped, but <laughs> they'll get there. And yeah. yeah, I loved it. Loved it there. It was, um, it, it was sort of rocky outcrops and um vistas and stuff it was uh, bordering near the gorge you know that sort of scenery yeah yeah were you one to then keen to be going to school were you were you keen or were you seeing like your brothers going to school and you were like i want to go to school or you're like nah stuff that i want to just adventure and, and hang out yeah no i didn't i didn't want to go to school i was i was not keen <laughs> i was happy just to stay home and um uh, mum was working uh i think after eric went to school um, so me and my brothers were all pretty close. There's only three years between mm. you know, oldest and, and youngest. Um, and mum went back to work. So I had a, like a babysitter who would, could come look after me, who I just, I remember <laughs> driving absolutely nuts, um, <laughs> which was good fun. But yeah, I did, I, even though I didn't particularly like being babysat, um, I'd often sort of convince mum to bring me to school with her. Um, and I'd hang mm. out there. I still, I still didn't want to go. Yeah. Ended up, ended up going obviously, and and school ended up being <laughs> quite fine. Um, but yeah, no, I wasn't, wasn't all that pumped for it. I was gonna say, if I knew your mother, there's no way you weren't going to school. That that's for sure. Was, yeah, you, needed to, you were going to school. That's for sure. Get that education. Absolutely. And then obviously you moved to you moved to Pacific Hills, year four. Mm-hmm. Um, were you a good student? Did you enjoy school, particularly in the early ages? Were you, like obviously, you know, when you were young, you didn't necessarily want to go and you ended up in school and the like and you switched to Pacific Hills and, you know, new friends, new group, mm. new school, mm. bigger school. You've gone from 70 kids to probably what, nearly 800, 900 Pacific Hills would have had um, yeah. at that time. What was yeah. that, that change like? Did you, were you good in, did you enjoy primary school or again, was it a bit of the same? Well, I mean, the, the change was definitely apparent. Um, mm. I knew everyone at, at Middle Drill Public School and, yeah, moving to Pacific Hills, all of a sudden it's like if you know your grade, you're lucky. Um, mm. To start with, obviously, as the year goes on, you get to know everyone. Um, and I was an okay student. I, I, I remember going through my school stuff recently, actually, because we, we moved house and, <laughs> you know, you declutter and get rid of stuff. And I remember seeing and noting that there was like a, there was a shift in, in year six um, where I was, you could see I was very diligent in how I did homework and, you know, because we kept diaries, remember? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. And, and yeah. It, was, it was always notes about, oh, you know, Drew's great, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's a good student. And then year six came. And after year six, it was like, Drew hasn't done his homework. Sorry. Like my mum always stuck up for me. It, it's like Drew could do no harm. So <laughs> there's all these letters to all my teachers saying, Drew didn't do his homework, Drew didn't do his homework, Drew didn't do his homework. And it's it's just rampant for throughout like all of my high school years. Um, so there was definitely a shift from when I basically disengaged with the academic side of school. I still recall loving the people. I loved like lunch, recess, before school, after school, playing touch footy, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Yeah. I just... Uh, that's why I went to school and flirt with girls. Yeah. Like that—that's what I thought school was. 
Oh, too good. I um, who who was your year six teacher then? Out of, oh, out of curiosity, do you remember? Sorry, Mrs. Peachy. That's uh, <laughs> we did not mesh well. Uh, you were in the smart class. Yeah, hey, yeah. Yeah, there you that go. Was the that top was the class. smart class. So maybe that was it. Maybe it was the pressure. Um, but yeah, I, there was a bit of a bounce back actually. Um, come year nine. There was there was less sort of um, Drew's not done all these things. So I think once we hit senior school, things started to pick up again. And because hmm. um, as I recall, Pacific Hills uh, in in the later years, the, at least the relationships with your teachers starts to improve. They're less sort of yeah. these kings and queens who tell you what to do, and they're more like, all right, if you don't want to do it, then it's your loss. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that university mindset, right? It's like you yeah. got to do the work. If you don't, like, well, the repercussions are there. Mm. But yeah, I did find that as well. I think as we went through school, like you started to become more, yeah, friends with them. I think for, like you still obviously had that authoritative figure as they were your teacher and they were teaching you stuff. But there was definitely more of that friendlier um, element, particularly um, as we got older. That's for sure. Yeah. And did did you did you have a bit of an idea of what you wanted to do? Obviously, we'll get to what you you do as in your profession and what you've achieved in that. But mm. did you have any idea what you wanted to do during school? Was Drew going to be, you know, a fireman, a policeman or, or whatever? Did you, did you know what you wanted to do then? None. Absolute zip. All the way to, like, at the end of year 12, um, I just had no idea. At least, um, you know, in the front of my mind. I was, hmm. as we'll talk about, I was doing things that I really enjoyed um, such as filming the first 11s, bantering on the side with Dave Barker. And I still got that footage. It's, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> I would like to see that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it's never seen the light of day. No, I'll, I'll have to crack it out one day. Gosh, it's, um, it is funny. But yeah, so I was, I was doing stuff to do with media, photographer, visuals, um, hmm. right from yeah, the start of high school. And I just didn't realize that that was a thing that I could do. So the sort of, you know, 15-year-old Drew had no idea. I, I think there were yeah. like ideas and, and paths that were like, oh, maybe a scientist would be cool or, or maybe this would be cool, but certainly nothing solid. And um, yeah, when it got to the end of year 12, there were, I think, one or two applications for universities for like a BA or something. Yeah, right. There you go. I didn't even, yeah. It, it feels like it's so long ago. I know it was 2007, mm. but even to think of like uni and, and those things like that's like, oh, it feels like an, an absolute lifetime ago. Obviously, yeah. something we have to pick up during our school life, we did play soccer together. Oh, um, yeah. Under 13s through to pretty much all age. We played every year for for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, I've got some great memories of obviously sharing the soccer field with you with a couple of premierships, a couple of losses, unfortunately, um, <laughs> as well. But what was, what was you know, like sport? And did you did you love playing sport as a kid or was it something that you just picked up? Or what was the, what was your, I suppose, link with, with sport and, and particularly soccer? Yeah, yeah. That's, um, now, that's good to think about. Um, my first encounter with sport was uh, squash. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so my two brothers, what did they play? Bowling, I believe. Um, I think that was their first sport. And if bowling's a sport, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and I think they eventually 
Oops. <laughs> Sorry, bowlers. <laughs> it's fine. 10-pin Spartans. Yeah, we just lost the, the 10-pin Bowling Association, who are their avid <laughs> listeners of the High People Podcast. Goodbye, okay. sponsors. We'll, 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 write, we'll write back to them later, yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember mum asking me, you know, do you want to do a sport? And I said, yeah, I think maybe squash. Um, and the thing that I really liked, again, about squash was, was the people. And as you can imagine... Um, squash isn't like a team sport it's kind of like tennis where you're just by yourself so you're chatting with your opponent and it's uh, very different to <laughs> being as, as a part of a team so eventually I discovered soccer is you know this sport that you can play on the same team as 15 other people and you know mm. only eight of them show up on a Saturday standard <laughs> but yeah that that was my introduction to soccer and uh I'm going to name drop here. Ron Holtgren was my first coach. Yes. Oh, gosh. And this is wild. Oh, man. I still remember this. This is a good question. I, yeah. I was, it was our first sort of training um, at Pacific Hills. And Ron Holtgren, who's American, uh, said, or right, I raise your hand if, if you're a defense. And I, and I looked around. I, just, I hadn't really like thought about soccer. I just put my hand up. <laughs> I didn't know what defense was. I had no idea. <laughs> he looked at me. He's like, so you respect your D? And I was like, I what? I respect who? <laughs> my D? What? And nowadays, that that's outrageous. <laughs> you cannot say that. But that's, that legitimately happened. Oh, man. Yeah. Unbelievable. Respect the D. Respect, respect the, the D. Respect the D. And yeah, it's so much funnier now. <laughs> so that's um, inevitably how I ended up as... That's center back good. because from from that point that was that was 99 um and and yeah all as you said all the way through to to all age i remained in the defensive line um floating around there sort of thing and yeah for <laughs> for an entire not a it's not a career i guess but there's, there's a long time playing soccer um for mm. it from from my position to arise that of just drew going uh I think someone should raise a hand and it might as well be me. So I'm just going to put my hand up. That's what went through yeah. my mind. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love that, mate. You were a demon on the soccer field. I tell you, you were the, you played that center back sweeper role. And particularly when we were young, you just appear in spots. Like the ball would be there and we'd all turn around and, oh, Drew's there. Oh, thank goodness. You know, like, oh, you're always the last man, like making that big slide tackle or, or doing something. And then I remember when you and I played um, in the back line at all age, that was when, I was oh, the, was the so mouth good. and the I was the mouth and the um and the shoulder of the force yeah <laughs> and you were the um the peacekeeper I was gonna say what's a what's a nation or a country that plays down the middle yeah that was that was you yeah there's a couple of occasions where my dad was yelling on the sideline for you to get me um oh, but yeah we won't we won't go in, we won't go into those <laughs> <laughs> you know quite a number stories. of times <laughs> But um, oh, it was a lot, a lot of fun. And you know what? I have a, I've just thought of a really, really good memory. And um, and I'm obviously really happy for you to steer this um, however you want because it was a big part of your life. But I've just had a really good memory of your mum from the sideline. If she wasn't the biggest fan of you oh, in playing soccer or anything or us, she made us feel like we were her children. Like something would happen and she would yell out like, leave my Drooby alone or yep. like leave yep. or like get off Clayton. Like she would yell from the yep. sideline in like barracking and like 
protection for us. Oh, what, that was, I just had that like memory. I can see her on the hill yeah. at Pacific Hills, like encouraging and, and she managed us for ages. And yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, she did a lot she of that was, stuff. She was like our mascot for a while because yeah. <laughs> rain, hell or shine, she was just there having oh, yeah. a yell on the yeah. side, screaming out. And I remember I had <sighs> red, I had red boots one year and she, she just on her own volition decided to call me Twinkle Toes. And, That's right. But I still showed up to the next season. But yeah, I was just getting targeted by every single hack on the field. <laughs> Mother screaming twinkle toes on the side. Yeesh. Little did she know she was actually putting a target um, on, oh, her, on her son's back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that was... What um, an incredible... Yeah, that is a great... That is a great... What was the other nickname she had for you? There was one other nickname. Dorothy. Like... I, think, I, think Dorothy. Was, I think it was Dorothy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Get him... <laughs> Regretting branding those red boots. Just buy black boots, people. Don't, 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 yeah. don't branch out. Yeah, I went the white boots and had a horrible season. Never, never went. You back, get targeted so, or, for sure, especially yeah, in the divisions we were playing. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the thing, right? I mean, as, as memory serves, you've you mentioned the wins, but there are a couple seasons where I think we only won like one game in the whole season. Oh yeah. And they yeah. were rough, but we still. We still, it's like, it was not a question. It's like, we will play the next season. Absolutely. And Jamie will yeah. be there. Absolutely. And <laughs> A Waters, we had, to, we had to drag him back to be a coach. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> That's right. I think, yeah, there was a year we won under 13s and then went to like Div 2 and we literally didn't win a game that year, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think that was, that was when my goalkeeping started. Um, yeah. It was, it was around then and that was just. And the team, do you remember the team got so big we had to split? Do you remember that? Oh, that was awful. Was it? Wasn't? That, that, yeah. Oh, that fractured friends. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was that was no good at all. Yeah, because there was a there was a um, like a we we all played like you know twenty five of us all together and there were yeah. um, people who chose who was better than and I think it was it was um like a Dupin or something it was like yep yeah lower division higher division lower division. Uh. Recall, I, I recall that was that, that was, was a rough tough. year. Yeah, that was a rough year, mate. What what are you drinking? What are we What are we got on? What are we got on screen? This is a batch coffee pale ale. Ah. So batch batch of being the Marrickville um, brewery yeah. and coffee pale ale. I was I was interested by it because coffee is usually stout or like a porter or yeah. something, and matching it up with a pale ale. And they've also they've made it with a an Ethiopian. So they've they've even yeah, gone right. to the effort of having single origin um, input there, and I tell you what, it's I really wish I had to taken a photo of it because it's really nice. It is refreshing, but um, I was really torn whether I have a coffee now because it's um, a little bit later at night, or if I have a beer. And I was like, oh, this does both. Well, I'm I'm glead we're having a beer because I'm I'm having a, a bucketies pale ale as well from the local local brookie guys. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we're having a beer because we've had many a beer together, a, good, a lot of good beers, and um, yeah, and so I'm I'm and you're a part of Waters to Beers as well, which you know we'll we'll talk about a little bit later with the, yeah. with the creative sparks and the like, mate. I want to I want to touch on something really quickly, and obviously again we will go with however you want to steer steer this from here. But your beautiful mother. Um, is obviously she is no longer um, with us, um, mm-hmm. and I only have incredibly fond memories um, of of Jamie. Um, 
the the education lessons around the dinner table, never leaving your house um, without putting probably 10 kilos on because I've eaten so much. Like she was, um, I, I use this word incorrectly, but like, you know, served, you know, not like she just served everybody who walked through the yeah. house. Like she was one of the most beautiful um, stewards of friends and just people. And, you know, I suppose a little bit about that story, mate. Like when did, you know, her health and when did you find out about that? And mm -hmm. I'm obviously happy for you to steer however you want because like I said, I've only got some of the most fondest memories mm. about her. And I still remember to the day when um, we found out obviously the news and, and the life after that. But mm. you know, what, what are some of your memories of, of your beautiful mother, Jamie? Wow. Yeah. I mean, again, just the fondest, fondest memories of her. She... She just had it sorted, eh? I mean, that's mm. that's mm. that's what's so surprising about uh, as we sort of are well and truly ingrained in adulthood. I still don't feel like I have it sorted. Um, and she was <laughs> either really good. This is like every time we had friends over, she had she had it all sorted. She knew like what she was going to serve up. She she would run down and banter with my friends and you know mm. be one of the boys sort of thing and. Um, then she'd give me, you know, dating advice and, um, thankfully that paid off because she, she did yeah. tell me to, to pull my finger out with Brooke, which we'll, um, we'll, we'll touch on later. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I mean, we can't, we can't talk about mum without talking about a cooking and it's, it's sort of oh, run, yes. it's run down through me as well, which I'm, I'm very, um, grateful for because, uh, when she, when she got sick, um, I ended up caring for her and mm. that's where she just took it upon herself to teach me how to cook um, for three boys because that's a, it's a lot of food and that's how I got my cooking style and that's where sort of my interest in, in cooking began um, mm. and that was 2008 I think. Yeah, around there, yeah. Yeah, around yeah. that time. Um, so that I believe so, yeah. Could have been a little bit later. Might get my years mixed up. But look, she, we got the news that she had cancer in 2006, uh, year 11. Or perhaps year 10, actually. It was year 10. Hmm. So that's 2005. Um, and gosh, yeah. I mean, as a, I, my memory of it was this is just going to blow over basically yeah like this this sort of thing mm. doesn't happen to us We're, we should also just quickly mention and i don't want to go into it too much but my my dad left when i was five or four yeah. um yeah. and so mum raised us three and yeah she was kind of like our rock she was just always there always provided and um actually that's a good summary of her she she was always yeah, absolutely. there absolutely yeah she, she was very selfless um and you know, to the point where she didn't have a great deal of, of friends. She didn't have this like wild social life or anything. She just she just sort of put us first, um, that, that mm. us being me and my brothers. And so when we first got the news, I remember just thinking, well, I mean, this can't this can't actually go the way that some cancer journeys go. It's just going to go away. Um, mm. And it did for a little while. And we were we were super grateful, and um, I think it was it was only a few months from the they they have like some gap between 
um, when you start begin remission and mm. um, you know at the end of it where they say it's probably not going to come back in the next five ten years and she was not far off that date when they said oh it's going to come back and um, mm. from there it was only a, an, a short year or two before uh, eventually she passed away mm. and that that whole gosh it was it just felt fast it felt so fast this is yeah. after school now um, so I still didn't really know what I was going to do. I had, I hadn't gone to uni or anything. So I just had a, a laboring job. Um, and I, I just recall it being like one, one year I'm leaving school, finding a job. And the next year mum's passed away and we've got to figure mm. out what to do with the house yeah. and all the emotions with, with losing your, you know, your soul guardian the, the, the person yeah. who you you were tied to um and it was i don't want to dwell too much on the negative side of this because yeah. ultimately so much good has come out of it and and her legacy um that she she left to the three of us has just bloomed into this like brand new amazing family that we're all you know mm. proud of really uh but it, it was really hard that moment where we knew we weren't getting it back. Um, mm. And <laughs> what's funny is, and this is, this is like a parent thing, I suppose. Um, here's, here's my mom. She's in hospital. She'd broken her elbow, which we won't go into, but <laughs> she, she was on a hospital bed and the doctors had said, look, she's probably not going to make it out of hospital. Like she's, she's this far along. Um, and Unfortunately, she's come in with a broken bone, but we're probably not quite going to get there. And we're like, oh, okay. And there I am. Instead of being, you know, I don't know, supportive, um, I'm just thinking about, like, my journey. And I'm thinking about, oh, gosh, you know, what am I going to do? Like, I'm finding this really difficult. I, I, I don't really have any direction. Remember, I used to always ask for prayer for direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that, that was the sort of headspace I was in. And I remember mum being as sick as she was, you know, um, she still could tell that something was up. She said, what's up? You know, I said, oh, I just, I just don't know what I'm going to be. I don't know what to do. And mm. she looked at me and she, she nodded and just thought, mm, well, whatever you be, just make sure it, it makes you happy. And as cheesy as that sounds now, right at that moment, it just blew me away. It blew me away. I just couldn't believe how simple that concept was and that I hadn't thought of it. And here she was on a deathbed, literally, and she yeah. could still dish it out. She could still put me first and say, here you go. This is what you need. <laughs> this, is, this is the appropriate mm. response for you, Drew. Um, and I, I really, I really took that advice and I've hold, I've held on to it, um, yeah, throughout my journey, which, which we'll get into. Oh, I love, I love that, and like I said, I can't, I can't say it enough, but I, I hold her very highly in, in my memories, and I, <laughs> I even remember things of, mate, you got to get your participles right, <laughs> like you know, talking about that type of stuff, like around the dinner table, like this, and it goes to show, like how beautiful of a person she was like, I don't say it lightly. We walked into your house and we were her son. You know, mm. we got mm. slide tackled on the soccer field. We were, we were her son. Like she, she took us, um, 
under a, an umbrella of care and and mate like you know i'm even getting in emotional talk about now because you know she was just such a a beautiful lady and i really want to pick up on that bit of advice which is so cool because i think that actually really leads us into obviously like the next part of your your journey you know you're, you're going through this you're you're laboring you you know you're trying to figure out the next step and, mm. and you end up in canberra at you and doing uni yeah now how do you go from working with tactiles and eco glow <laughs> um love to, that you mentioned that <laughs> to canberra living in an industrial zone flat with you know brooke who you're with as well you know like you've mm-hmm. got to manage that and then you do mm-hmm. all those things mm. to then take on a degree so so how did you how did you come to that decision and obviously what degree um did you go down to do well um the answer to that is uh, i went down to canberra to do a, a bachelor of photography um mm. and it would be really nice and neat if it if it if it was a, a short journey um but after mum died, there was there was like lots of sorting out to do, lots of yeah. admin, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, suddenly we had this house. Um, uh, mum passed away in the February, and my brother got engaged in the May, I think. And so, well, all of a sudden, we've we've got we've got all these decisions to make because now there's two people going to live in this house, and who's going to pay the mortgage, and who's going to do this, and we decide mm-hmm. to all move out and. This is how I end up coming to live with you um, yeah. for for a period of time, and while so, thankfully, Squillin just go come live with me. Don't worry about it, Drew. Drew. Just um, we'll, we'll we'll put you up, and we had a we had an excellent time. I mean, we had Jeez, some awkward times. <laughs> we they won't be mentioned. Um. <laughs> okay, I've, I feel that foot in my back. I've got it. <laughs> No, it, and it was it was so oh, much fun. No. I can't I can't believe when, when when I hear people's stories about after school and and stuff, and mm. um, they say, "Oh, I wish I lived with a mate. I lived it. I wish I did this. I wish I did that before, you know, did whatever I did." Um, mm. This this all these things just dominoed into each other, um, mm. and so while I was living at at, at your place, um, just after we we all decided to move out of Glenhaven. Um, I was, I think I, I went to study education, um, at, at EWS and I remember just being like, this is not for me. This is Mm. absolutely, if, if I didn't know what I wanted to do, I know I don't want to do this. (laughs) I remember, I remember going to uni and again, it was kind of like school where I just wanted to talk to the people. And I was like, it is so much more apparent now that this is a complete waste of my time because if I'm not going to use this degree, (laughs) then I'm just making yeah. friends I'm possibly never going to be able to relate to. <laughs> um, so uh, an opportunity came up and uh, I, I remember it was, it was not a popular one and it was to move, before I went down to Canberra, I moved out of your place and I remember talking to, you, to your mum about it and talking to you about it and, and saying, look, uh, th- there's this place that my family friends own up in Budgewoy um, and they've they've offered to put me up, and That's right. I I, th- I think it's a stepping stone. And uh, I just remember your mum being like, "Are you sure?" And she just looked me dead in the eye, and like she didn't <laughs> she in her heart of heart she didn't want to let me do it, but she knew that she had to just kind of let me do it. 
Um, and so, and so it was, that was that it was like, you know, a year or so of living at your place. And, and then I moved up to, to Budgiewoy, um, by myself, which people thought I was nuts for. Cause they're like, dude, your, your mum's just died. You're moving away. You're an hour away from your community, which you grew up in. You don't, you don't have ties to work. You don't have ties to uni. You don't have a, like a group up there. What, what are you doing? But I just, mm. I just knew like deep down after talking with Brooke, who was, I was dating at the time that this is a stepping stone. This is what I have to do to clear my head and to find out what it is that's going to make me happy. Um, and while I was up there, I don't even remember how I found it. It's literally a stumble upon thing. Um, kind of like my defense story. Um, how I ended up in the back line of, at, on a soccer field. I, I just stumbled upon this, this media online course um, and I loved it. It was like take photos of things and learn a little bit about lighting uh, and it's all online. And, and, you know, you hear so many people talk about negatively. They talk negatively about online learning and I just loved it. Like I, and this is why it was so apparent to me because I wasn't, connecting with people in the same way I always had. I was connecting with this thing that I really liked, I really loved. Mm. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, it had been there through school. I just hadn't identified it. You know, I, I was in media club. I, I went to, you know, film all the sporting stuff. And, you know, I was, yeah. I was, a, I was a nerd and like, I didn't know the it. Creative assembly. <laughs> the creative assembly. <laughs> we can't call it the muck up assembly. It was called the creative assembly. Holy moly. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've forgotten that, actually. Wow. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> it was always there. And at the end of that course, it was only six months, at the end of that course, I said, what can I do with this? How, how, where do I go? I was talking to my supervisor. My supervisor said, look, I know a place down in Canberra. Um, it used to be the TAFE, and I think they're running a Bachelor of Photography. Why don't you go check it out? And so I got in the car with Brooke, drove down to Canberra, and you know, much like the rest of Sydney siders, <laughs> I'd only been to Canberra on like uh, excursions. And so I was like, what is this place? Like, it's a waste of a capital. Um, but I, it's the and, thing and, you bypass as you're going to the snow. You're that's like, it. See ya, Canberra. That's it. Yeah. I know. It's, it's like, oh, yeah. there's Fishwick has a re reputation. That's, that's all I know about the place. <laughs> um, and I, I went to this uh, course um, interview and just as soon as I did the interview, which I was so terribly prepared for when I was in there, I was like, oh my gosh, I really should have prepared for this. But I just wanted it so bad. And I just let that flow out. I was like, I want to be here. I want to be here. I want to study this because I'm so keen on anything image-based. And mm. got in. And that was just such a defining moment for me because then following that, I moved to Canberra, actually moved to Queen Beanne which is uh, technically still New South Wales, uh, yeah, ended up living in, at this point, I'll briefly touch on, I reconnected with my dad. Um, mm. he, he sort of started touching base a bit more with us after mum died and we've got a really good relationship now. Um, and this was the start of it. He said, my best friend from school, so, you know, he's Clayton, has got this, <laughs> <laughs> he's got this place out in Queanbeyan that he's just, it used to be an office block for his business and he's just put a kitchen in. Oh, by the way, he didn't, he hadn't put a kitchen in, but he was going to put a kitchen going in to. <laughs> and he's going to, he's going to see who wants it. Do you want to go check it out? And so, yeah, I went and checked it out and um, it was like, yep, 
was good enough for me. It's like half the rent to what everything else is because I didn't have a kitchen at the time. Um, and I got my camping gear and started uni. It was wild. Mm. It was wild. Again, it so was. so fast. It was so fast because I remember you budgie boy to be like, we're going to Canberra. And we were like, what the hell? But yes, I, I remember, yeah. Yeah. But I remember the conversation though because you were like, I really want to do this. Mm. Like I'm, and, and we, we could see your passion coming through. We could even see some of the work you were doing. We were like, yeah, this is actually you. Yeah, yeah this is actually Drew. How, how good is this? But I suppose a, a big thing the whole time was obviously your relationship with, with Brooke, you know, how are you mm. going to do from, from Sydney to Canberra? And I suppose it's a, it's a good time to, to introduce her mm-hmm. um, into the story and you know, what a, you know amazing person she is as well. But yeah, how did you? I suppose if we jump back a little bit quickly, how did you meet? And then you know, how did you manage the the, the travel? You know, a lot of mm. yeah. Uh, did you meet at Goulburn Maccas or, or what? <laughs> like, what's the where was date day? <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. So we um we met through church. We met through church. Mm. Um and yeah, look, we'd I guess like any friendly girl, I was happy to flirt with her. And um, eventually, we just. What's our story? <laughs> I'm trying to remember how we first started dating, um, but I think it was just a, a development of, of flirting, and you know, we were pretty young at the time. I think fifteen or sixteen. Um, went out dating for a bit, but then, then I, I, Brooke calls it my emo phase, and so does so does Eric, because um, I I did shave for a cure. I got a black mohawk, and then I broke up with Brooke. <laughs> And, and I broke up with her at church, and I just remember oh, people, people being remember. like, "You were mad. Are you insane? Yeah, I think Don't I was one do of them. this." Yes, yes, you were one of them. Yeah. My mum was one of them. My um, studies of religion teacher, he was one of them, and he yeah, right, okay. He actually yeah. fronted up Brooke and was like, "You just need to tell him to stop being <laughs> uh, a bad word." And I was like, "Okay, all right. <laughs> well, I'm going to do this anyway." Um, and. I, I tell the story that I broke up with her just so that I could ask her out again, and yeah, uh, yeah, it, it was smart. it was it was Valentine's Day some years later that I I finally put my head back on my head and um and pleaded for mercy and went back and yeah we uh we got back together, um and then yeah jump forward a couple of years uh, of of dating in Sydney Brooke moved to the Shire at some point um and so I was doing that that trip which no you're very, very fond of um yeah and i uh, then apologize we went... for ever ripping into you about driving to the shire because now i do that every weekend <laughs> it's it's just silverwater road kills me just going yeah, through there it's re- and, and it's there but then after that it's actually not that bad yeah yeah it's all <laughs> so right it's it really is quite fine um and the shire is it's it's not a it's quite a pretty place really so it um is. it's nice to hang out there but yeah so then i went budgeoid shire and then just thought that's not hard enough, so I'm going to do Canberra to Shire, um, and it was I was that was tough. I actually remember Brooke being super supportive, but there was one conversation where she was just like, "I just don't want you to move that far away. I'm just scared. Hmm. I'm scared of what's going to what that's going to do to us and and how hard it's going to be." And I was totally on board with that, and I was like, "Yes, yeah. I I'm I'm also fearful of that." Um, and uh, this is at the same time, it's funny because I had. I had your support and a whole bunch of friends who were all um, 
you know, advocating for me. They were like, yeah, you know, mm. do this thing. Um, but I had, I had quite a few naysayers, um, people who are actually challenging like this direction and saying, you know, you're, you're good with people. Why are you being a photographer? They're solitary people. Why would you mm. pursue that? And I recognize that you've got to challenge people. And if you love them, then, you know, it's, it's okay to do that. But man, it was hard to hear. It was so hard to hear after this, yeah. this journey of, of how I got there to be like, uh, respectfully, um, shut your mouth because I, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do this thing. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, uh, and, and then add to this the complication of maintaining a relationship. And I think in my neat little head, I just was like, I'm just going to marry this girl. So I'm going to make it work. Mm. I'm, yeah. you know, what it, well, I'm not going to marry her right now, but I know I want to marry her. So I'm just going to make whatever time period this thing is. I'm going to make it work. And I did something super stupid and I signed up to soccer in Sydney. And so for a whole year, <laughs> I drove back from Canberra on a Friday night. I'd stay at Brooks. Yeah parents place on the friday night i'd drive from the shire up to the hills district to play soccer like an absolute yep. dork and then, <laughs> and then drive back and brooke would come because she was number one cheerleader now and yeah. we did that for a year and when i think about it i was like that's madness that's actual madness but yeah we did it and it worked <laughs> yeah I can't remember playing that season. I don't know if I any, either way. I think just... I think that that might have been the season um, where the previous season you were keeper and it was a tragic season and I think you were just done. You may have got red carded in the last game. Was I think it was was that that season? Yeah. Oh, I've been red carded a few times. Um, <laughs> no, that was that was I was playing centre back. I got red carded in my final ever game uh, for soccer, so I'm still on a one match suspension if I ever go back and play. Uh, we, we were, again, we'll leave that one through to the keeper as well because that's not a uh, not a great moment. <laughs> Actually, it was just a last man tackle. It wasn't bad at all. But yeah, everyone's uh, done it. Soccer, oh, soccer! What a horrible yeah. sport. Yeah, it really <laughs> so, is. So you, so you, you, you go through your degree, mm -hmm. you finish your degree, you take some incredible photos, and and you know, for some some of the photos that I've seen is just pure magic, but. The, the one thing before we talk about, obviously, Brooke a little bit more and, and fatherhood and those things and your beautiful daughters, um, there's one experience that, that springs to mind for me out of, um, you know, your, your journey mm. was this trip to Indonesia that you mm -hmm. got to go on for, for a month to, so I suppose, to the layman person, take, take photos and, and do everything. But when you actually understand the crux of the story and what happened there, it's a, it's a massive deal. So... T take me into this journey. How did you end up in Indonesia after uh, uni taking photos and, and who were you working for? Yeah, so um, I was working for the United Nations. Um, they had a whole, they're like the umbrella and the, there's like UNICEF and UNDP and ILO and all these other acronyms and they mm. all stand for various things and they all specialize in making society society you know roads schools kids those you know yeah. health those sorts of things i got the gig because there was a competition that was run through my uni my uni had a, a partnership with um with the un in canberra the, the head office down there the hq um and they said okay whoever wins this competition 
gets an internship with us um, and we don't know where, we don't know when, but the promise an internship. And this was, this was gold to me. I was like, this is exactly, this is exactly what I'm after. Um, hmm. And so I just, <laughs> I feel so um, strange talking like this, but I just wanted, I wanted to win it and I wanted to do the absolute best I could. And so I, did everything I could to, to get the gig and um, lo and behold, got the gig. Um, the internship ended up being in a place called Banda Aceh. Uh, Banda Aceh is sort of northwest Indonesia, one of the islands very far off towards Sumatra. Um, and it's an interesting place to say the least, but <laughs> historically... Uh, something very tragic happened, and that's probably one of the worst tsunamis the world has ever seen struck mm. the coast of Banda Aceh. Um, and, gosh, I, I think I'm recalling correctly, 250,000 people perished, yeah. 500,000 people were displaced. It was, it was just this huge natural disaster that happened in 2004. Um, and I was slated to go and record the 10-year anniversary of the UN's involvement. Because obviously after such mm. a massive um, disaster like that, the UN gets involved and tries to put systems in place, not just to say, you know, here's a bag of rice, but here's how to grow it. Here's mm. the best systems for your environment to employ people, to make a farm, to grow it. And that is really complicated because, as you can imagine, and a huge volume of you know, ocean water on a, on a piece of land is just going to put a whole bunch of salt in there. And so they had to rejuvenate the soil. And that's one part, you know, with, think about how, how society works. There's so many working parts. And so they, 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 they teamed up with all these, all this umbrella um, organizations which are sort of part of UN and um, set me off to document how those systems they put in 10 years previously are going now um, wow. and, and yeah I was like yep I am so excited for this <laughs> I couldn't be more keen and um, it had everything I wanted because it was you know uh, mixing with people it was it was doing some I guess good um, and I know that's, that's such a hard thing to define when you, when you're doing this sort of work, because, you know, you're just, you're just a white guy <laughs> wandering yeah. around with a camera, but, um, it, it felt like I might be able to, uh, help, I guess. Um, hmm. and yeah, the logistics of it were, were just terribly difficult. Um, cause as you can imagine, getting the um, UNICEF people to send me to a gig the day after the UNDP people, um, you know, lining everyone up, putting all the ducks in a row. Mm. It was just a, a little bit difficult because a lot of these NGOs don't work in Banda Aceh. They, they work either in Jakarta or, um, you know, mm. possibly a different country. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so sure. getting a representative there to explain to me what happened um, and just so 
all the listeners know, in Banda Arche, it's it's Shariah law, um, which which mm. means you know all all women have to wear head coverings, even men. It's encouraged to wear uh, like long sleeve stuff if you're not a labourer. So if you're mm. you know just like me, um, especially foreigners. So uh, it was a total culture change to the one I was used to, and and when you pair that with all the logistics of it, it was it was tough. Um, I mentioned to you earlier that um, I was—I actually kept some journals, uh, some video journals, um, which I was keen on rewatching because it just sort of would jog my memory a little bit. And I was—I was just amazed by every day was like something terrible happened, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> like gigs would fall through or there'd be a shouting match between you know the interpreter and this person at a hospital or. Now they they dumped me off at a place with no interpreter, and I like literally no one speaks English. And in in the videos, I make I make light of um, that I couldn't see a white guy, but I was there yeah. a month and I saw one. So we really are kind yeah, of right. removed yeah. removed from the world that that we're so familiar with. Uh, but and this is a big but, despite all those hiccups, I suppose. I was just so encouraged by it. And I look back on it so fondly. I, I still say it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Hmm. It's so good. And I love it. I remember the, the day, like vividly being like, I'm going to Indo for a month to take photos for the UN. And we were like, what? What? Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The UN? Like you're working for like the UN? Like how insane is that? And like, what, what an amazing you know, opportunity, you know, that was for you. Yeah. And, and some of the photos that came out of it were remarkable. I know some of them are, are on your Instagram and, but they're just, oh, just, just amazing. Like what, what an absolute experience for you to someone get dropped off in a third world country and then, you know, get to see it through the lens of your camera that, you know, that you got inspired to do while sitting in your house in Budgie Boy, you know, when you start <laughs> to link it all back, like it's, it's a pretty, pretty cool, um, pretty cool story and I suppose to bring it to modern actually no I'll ask you one question about photography because yep. I'm still not convinced photography is that hard so convince me um <laughs> convince me <laughs> I know Jarrah my mate and you are the two best photographers that I've ever seen in my life but convince me and the listeners actually you don't have to convince me because I know why photography you know for example shooting a wedding let's pick mm. that right mm. Seems easy, right? Mm. On to the to the lay person. Why why is it not? Why 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 are we paying a lot of money for for your services um, yeah. on a wedding day? No, that's fair. That's that's a fair question. And um I suppose there's 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 multiple moving parts um to answer it. And I'll start I guess with consistency. Uh, um mm. anyone and, and I, I'm truly mean this. You could you could grab your your phone um, because they've got fantastic cameras in them, and you could go and go bananas at the next wedding you're at, and I guarantee you, you will get a, a corker. You'll get like a great shot, um, yeah. and that's if you because if you're actually interested and you and you put your heart into it, then you will get it. Um, but what is more tricky to obtain is to do that again and again and again and again and then again and again from your super difficult mother of the bride to Uncle Barry 
who won't stop chucking your ear off about his Nikon D three thousand. It's <laughs> it can be it can be quite challenging socially as well. So yeah, consistency is one thing, but also um, across probably landscape and birds. I don't know. They they're probably in their own realm because you don't really need to talk to people. But most other forms of photography, you need to talk to people and you need to be. I'm not going to say diplomatic. You just need to be understanding. You need to love people, right? And you need mm-hmm. to understand why that mother of the bride is so on edge. They don't need some suave photographer telling them how it is, right? They just they just need to feel like this is a special day for them. And goodness me, that's that's again that's a hard thing to do again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I I'm betting that not everyone wants to subscribe to that as a job. Um, so I think that's why wedding photographers, uh, and this extends into many other realms. Um, that's why they sort of deserve to be paid for what they do because there's, there is a lot more to it than just bringing your whiz bang camera and photographing some beautiful people on the best day of their lives. Um, because I mean, that is, that's, that's a great gig, right? I mean, that's good fun. Um, and I, I will... I don't like it when photographers do this, but I will mention that 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 15-hour day is is at least three times that in editing. Um, yeah, that's the and- thing that always got me when you always explain like it's not you don't remember like it's not just my 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. when I leave reception like hey we'll whack them on a USB stick and send them to you. Mm, like mm. I remember you told me once there was a wedding you worked on it took you like 40 hours to do. Yeah, 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 and and again, phones do it so quickly because there's an algorithm that tells a computer this is how this image should look it, it has an enormous database but again there are probably several examples that you have on your phone right now where it gets it wrong um, and so it's still not entirely reliable it certainly is way better than it you know when I first started um, but again just chasing that consistency and, and chasing, I guess, that brand as well. A lot of, a lot of photographers are, are pretty big on their brand and, and how their images look and make people feel. Um, and that has uh, very little to do with an algorithm that's just trying to make something look as real as possible and everything to do with the creative side, everything to do with, well, yeah, it was a dark and dreary day, but um, <laughs> I don't want it to look dark and dreary, so I'll light it like yeah. this. I'll get the person to stand here. And I know I've got this this filter in my head that I'm going to use, and I'm going to shoot it this way. Um, yeah. And that's that's what's constantly running through a photographer's mind, um, as well as you know, straighten up your veil. And um, I, I touched on food photography as well when I was living in yeah, Sydney, and that's right. we we once shot four tomatoes uh, in a whole day. I'll I'll just let I'll just let that sink in four tomatoes on a vine and it took three people working all day actually i sh- that's not fair because i think that's ridiculous that's the other end where that was just a waste of the client's money but the <laughs> fact that that's possible means that there is an in-between stage right there sure. is there is this this happy medium where uh, it takes a lot of time to create something that that has an intention and that makes someone feel something when they look at the photo. Mm. I think that you've nailed that like that to make someone feel something when they look at the photo, like that's, 
your job to produce. And if you put that in any other context of any other life, like make someone feel something, like that's not an easy task yeah. like yeah. to yeah. do. Like that requires a level of near, you know, close to perfection to, to make someone feel like, because anything that's half, yeah, that's okay. Like that's that response. It's okay. Mm. But to someone to go, wow, look at that photo. Like there's a lot of hard work that's gone into that. So mm. yeah, always stand up for the photographers after knowing you and, and Jara as well. Um, yeah, stand up for the photographers. That's for sure. Cause they do, they do a lot of hard work, but mate, the last topic I want to touch on, um, cause you've been so um, good with your time and, and this has been an amazing chat, but obviously, um, you are a father to your uh, three girls uh, that we mentioned um, before. Well, obviously, in- introduce them, um, but also, what's what's it like being a, a dad? Well, how did it? I suppose in a, in a really silly question, how did it change your life, and and what's some sort of reflections you've had on parenting? Mm. No, that's um, that's not not a silly question at all. Um, in fact, it's very very pertinent to where I am at now. Um, so how has it changed my life? Um, I'll answer that one first, just cause it's at the front of my head. Hmm. Uh, I'm now a, a full-time stay at home dad. So <laughs> after dwelling around in the photography realm in, in Sydney and, um, for quite a number of years and getting to a place where I had a, like a, a nice bread and butter, I was a, a project manager at a photography company. Um, and I was still able to hold down a couple of clients of my own. Um, and I, I was, you know, it's doing all right. It wasn't sort of Ansel Adams or, or Ken Duncan, but, um, things felt like it was sort of traveling along. And then 2017 came and we had this baby girl, Raven, our first, mm. our first daughter, um, first of three. <laughs> so, um, you know, just a little over a year later, we welcomed Harper, and a little over a year later, we welcomed Isla. And these three girls have just totally transformed how I approach attacking life, or or, or rather, journeying life. You know, adventuring, mm. Um, mm. because I I think I was I was super idealistic. I, I had all these ideas that I I wanted to make happen and come to fruition and um as we've spoken about uh, a few stories this evening um i was able to do that and and i feel so Mm. blessed to have been able to have these goals that i wanted to do and then go ahead and do them and and there's not a day that goes by that i that i'm not very grateful for that but having three lives sort of tied (laughs) to you um, it kind of melts it away and, and not in a, not in a, like, oh, I'm, I'm not driven anymore way, but in a, mm. I need to, I need to value these humans more than I valued anything, um, yeah. up to this point. And that is a huge rewrite. <laughs> <laughs> That's full. Like, yeah, I, I, I can't explain, um, not how difficult, but, but how, how meaningful that is. Um, and yeah, for me to go from, you know, doing okay to, to now I stayed home dad, I switched with Brooke. Um, Brooke was, you know, obviously 
looking after the girls when they're a little bit younger and feeding and stuff. And um, mm. we made the decision to to switch. And I, I guess COVID was a little bit of a a catalyst for that. Um, mm. It it unsettled my industry quite a lot. Um, you know, a lot of photography is event based, and, and events just got blown the hell away <laughs> rightly so i get it yeah. um but yeah there was there was just not a lot of work around and so that was a little bit of a catalyst for brooke and i switching but i just even though it was it was a, a pandemic took it I, I just i can't believe i didn't do it earlier i'm mm. just i'm just yeah. so amazed at how happy these people make me and they're like they're tragic they <laughs> whinge whine they don't sleep and then they're tired and it's like well sleep why don't you just sleep it's like no no don't be ridiculous why would i do that i'm not gonna sleep come on dad that'd be ridiculous yeah um and and i'm just i'm so i'm so married to this idea now that more guys need to get involved in in their children's lives and and i and i think that's a huge thing to say and i'm not gonna um you know speak to our society or or make all these big claims but my my feeling around our community is that um it's not traditional for the for the guy Mm. to look after the kids and i think that just completely needs to be thrown out the window we we can't talk like that i think it's every um, family is different and every family just needs to choose the best path and it does not matter about whether you're a, yeah. a dad, mom or a guardian or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know you have a beautiful, I was about to say little family. It's not a little family. Um, you, know, you have a beautiful, <laughs> doesn't feel little. big family. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I am very blessed to obviously know you um, for a long time and obviously Brooke as well for for a good period of time as well. And um, you are two of my dear friends, that is for sure. And uh, for everything that we've we've been through, we've been through ups and we've been through downs and everything. But it's always been unreal to to do that with you. And um, it has been awesome to uh, talk through these things. Like it's kind of mm. cool to go back through memory lane and and tick off a few things, some like really good moments and some sad moments. But you know the joy and the um, you know, the, the bit of advice your mum gave you, you know, and that, that's just unbelievable. And you can see that just permeating through your, your journey so, so clearly um, through your life, which, is, which I think is, is, is really cool, mate. So hmm. Thanks, mate. I hope you've enjoyed chatting um, Absolutely. About, about some of this stuff as well. Any reflections that you've, you've thought of as you've, you've gone through this? I mean, this chat is kind of like how I wish every pub chat went. But inevitably, it's always interrupted <laughs> by someone ordering like a Guinness pie and throwing up somewhere. So, um, no, this. How much? How much would it? How much would you need money-wise to take the first hit up at State of Origin? But you didn't get. You didn't get any. You don't get any medical coverage, and you're running at Shane Webke Petro Seven receiver, and you have to run straight. And how you can't, much? Like brace yourself or anything. Yeah. How much would it take you? We we discuss this nearly every time we go to the pub. I oh man. Yeah, no, that's such a cracker of a question, isn't it? I mean, particularly just the image of, of Seven Assy. That's Shane Webke. Oh man, <laughs> he would just obliterate me. I would. There'd be. I'd be dust. There'd be nothing left. It'd have to be millions. <laughs> yeah, it'd have to. Be. It'd be no money for me because I'd be dead and it'd be all going to Beth on my parents. So like, well, you know. <laughs> so they'd probably want millions, I reckon. 
Oh dear. Well, mate, yeah. it has been it's been awesome. Thank you so much. We've we've chatted for an over an hour, which has been which has been unreal, and I'm um, I'm really thankful that you can come on the podcast and, and share some of your stories. So thanks so much for joining, mate. It's been unreal. You're very welcome, mate. No, it was a, it was it was my pleasure. Thank you for having me on.